Hey everyone, welcome back to Vampire Weekday. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host Kevin uh, as we take on Oxford Comma. We're playing the hits, as they would say. Um, so we, we got a good one today from the classic self-titled debut, Vampire Weekend by Vampire Weekend. So how um, should we care about the Oxford Comma, Kevin? That is the question of the day. I've always cared. You know, I, I, I try to be a let people enjoy things person as much as I can. I don't want to rain on somebody else's parade. But this is this is something I do get a little snitty about because it's just there's a lack of clarity. I, I, I'm i a fan of the Oxford Comp. I, I, I don't really know what else to say. And I um, other than if you don't use the Oxford Comp, I hate you. But I mean, other than that, I mean... <laughs> No, I really don't care. But it's I, I in the grand scheme of things, I don't care. But like, just use it, man. I mean, come on. I don't know. Yes, I am of the opinion to use it. Um, you have you have some several classic examples I wanted to bring up, um, where you it's hard to say over an audio form because you can't see the comma. But I'll try mm -hmm. to communicate as best as I can. Um, but you have the sentence: "My usual breakfast is coffee." Um, comma orange juice and toast so if you put a comma between orange juice comma and toast then you're eating three separate things separately but if you don't you're pouring the orange juice onto the toast because yeah. it's orange juice and toast it's like eggs and cheese you're if you're saying eggs and cheese you're putting the cheese into the eggs right so you're putting I the orange juice into the toast and the, the only argument I could see against that is if you just had orange juice and toast, you're not putting a comma between them. And True. then you could say, well, how am I supposed to know the orange juice to go in the toast in that mm -hmm. situation, which I think right. is a fair criticism. But to that, I would say, stop being so stupid and just use the comma. Mm -hmm. um. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's actually instances where you can, I should add, be the devil's advocate here, where there's instances where you can... In, introduce ambiguity um without an with an oxford comma oh and so there's the classic sentence um that is usually used to demonstrate the positives and negatives of um of an oxford comma where they say to to my parents comma and reigned in god and so if you put the don't put the comma that seems like Anne Rand and God are her parents. Yes. But if you put the comma, it's three separate entities. But if you switch parents from mother to where it's to my mother, comma, Anne Rand, comma, and God, it seems like Anne Rand is her mother. When my that mother. cannot be the case. Yeah. But you could you could fix this by saying to my mother, comma, God, comma, and Anne Rand. Or even having mother at the end. So it's you can change it, the order to, to fix some of these. You could you could also just put some parentheses in there if you want to get really technical. But <laughs> that would kind of butcher the sentence. True, true. Um, so there there are cases where it is a little it adds confusion, um, but in most cases, I would argue strongly for the Oxford comma. But that's not the point of the song. This song is saying, why should I care, right? Exactly. Who cares about an Oxford comma? Mm -hmm. Whether you use it, whether you don't, I don't care. It doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you different. Um, 
I think you just described the song, Nico. I think we can wrap up. Yeah, I think we can wrap up. <laughs> that's, 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 that's the song. I, I, I think that's I, the I song, at least. I don't, I don't know if I agree with Vampire Weekend on this one, though, because there's been some high-profile cases where caring about the Oxford comma has been important. So there was a main labor dispute uh, back in 2014. Like State of Maine? Yes. Okay. Um, it was a case known as O'Connor versus Oakhurst Dairy. And in it, there was a statute that said um, canning, processing, preserving, freezing, drying, marketing, storing, packing for shipment, or dis- uh, distribution um, of certain goods were activities exempted from the general requirement of overtime pay, but they did not use the Oxford comma after packing for shipment comma or distribution. Instead, it's packing for shipment or distribution. And so that indicates that it's packing for distribution yes. is exempt, but not distribution is exempt. Mm-hmm. But in reality, the company was trying to communicate packing for shipment is exempt, but also distribution is exempt. This is great. I love this. In the court <laughs> ruled in the favor of um, the people arguing that distribution did qualify or um, yes, that distribution did qualify for overtime because there was that missing Oxford comma to provide clarity. And it was $5 million. So they ruled in favor of it sounds like sounds like well it was actually the, so, never settled um it was well never ruled because they settled out of court for five million but it sounds like a judge was on our side in the sense that the presence of an oxford comma would have protected the interests of the company but its true. absence helped the workers true okay then wow in a non-oxford comma um case but comma adjacent um, you have the case of Roger Casement, um, who he was um, charged for high treason, and that's the big one, and hung because of it. The thing that got him was the Treason Act of 1351, which seemed to apply only to activities carried out on English soil. But a close reading of the act allowed for a broader interpretation, and the court decided that a comma should be read in the unpunctuated original Norman French text, crucially altering the sense so that the realm or elsewhere referred to where acts were done and not just to where the king enemies might be. So they argued that you should have read the comma in there. So Uh the American court just recently argued that no, you had to explicitly put the comma for for it to be there. And so now you owe them money. But in this case, they said a comma can be read into this text. And because of that, he can be charged with treason. And so he infamously wrote that he was hanged on a comma. And that that actually is a pretty, pretty well-known saying um, about like grammar police type mm-hmm. things. Um, you can be hung on a column if, um, or on a comma, if um, if you make a mistake. Yeah, you de- you definitely run into those types of folks. I um, 
but they killed a guy over this. Well, not well, over well, this, but no, yeah. But they, he <laughs> they interpreted the law through this. Yes. Wow, that's so, something else. There's a lot of history. Um, we also should uh, make clear that the Oxford comma can also be called the serial comma or series comma or Harvard comma. Interesting. What apparently, is what is Harvard? Who who invented it though? Who, who for, well, from, from whence did American, it come? Apparently, it's an Americanized uh, concept. Okay, interesting. Yes. So Oxford has no basis in this. Um, so there are a few British style guides that mandate it, most notably the Oxford Style Manual, actually. Okay. Um, but these are more uh, recent occurrences. Um, but it originated in American English, and it's more common in American English. So speaking of that, something tying this in here, I just read this on the side of like genius stuff, so I don't know if it's legit, but someone claims that Rostam interned with the Oxford English Dictionaries, yes. like North American branch, like while in school or like right before the LP, LP, LP1 came out. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that's legit, but... That's kind of funny. If so, that's like who they're kind of the people puzzle, that work for dictionaries. Right? That's just very strange. But <laughs> I, there's there's a lot of lore here. I'm, I'm glad we could do a deep deep dive into the Oxford comma because someone has to. Um, even though we're kind of going against the whole principle of the song. <laughs> exactly. I'm getting too far into it. Um, the band probably hates us. Yes, they. They de they're definitely us. aware of us, and they definitely hate us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Diving into the actual song. Um, now that we're done with that, um, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty pretty cool song with a pretty clear message with about how you shouldn't focus on the little things that differentiate class or people think that differentiate class because they really don't and what makes you different by using an oxford comma it really doesn't yeah i i think it's a great message um and if we look at like these guys being fresh out of columbia uh, of course you and i were fortunate to attend a university that people claim to be prestigious i mean i think we actually got a good undergrad education but like it's just very weird when like you tell people you go to like a school like Notre Dame, you're like, oh, it's such a good school. And like, it's kind of the same vibe. It's like, I'm not, I'm doing this because like it was a good choice for me, but like, it's also very strange, like associated with like this, like kind of like you said, almost like this higher class type thing. And there is kind of a sense where you almost want to dissociate from that because it just feels weird, you know? So I totally get what they're going for here. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there is, there is even some venom in the genius comments about, it's like, oh, he went to Columbia. How hypocritical of him to think like looking down on high society when he is high society. And yeah, it, it is interesting because you, you, you don't really know the circumstances there, but also like you can still remove yourself from that um, mm -hmm. even if you are within it um, to a certain extent. And I feel like that's what they're trying to do in this song, um, which definitely matches up with a lot of the Vampire Weekend discography in terms of themes of privilege and um what um wealth but um yeah I, I i think it uh definitely falls hard into the kind of college preppy aesthetic vibe of the first album agreed 
yeah, it, it fits well. Um, we'll get to the music video, but there's a lot of that in that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's um, it's really kind of simple, you know. Like, there's some more complex stuff on on the first LP, but like, it's it's a lot of just like it's a it's a it's a great little percussion piece we see at the beginning. Um, and yeah, it feels like that kind of like pop that we got used to. Yeah, I yeah, I always with the song associated with that one little guitar solo by Ezra in the middle of it. Oh yeah. Um very very poppy, very very preppy with his in the music video is walking with his Les Paul um across the field. Um I think it's an Epiphone Sheraton, but I mean, ooh, not not yeah. to be that guy. Okay, but okay, guitar man. I'm the gearhead. Okay, it's no, a, it's a hobby. Thank no you for deal. correcting me. Thank you. <laughs> um, if we're gonna get in the lore, I mean, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you aren't wrong. I I think we can definitely do a line by line dive on this type. Yeah. Of thing, though. So so let's dive in. So who gives an F about an Oxford comma? I've seen those English dramas too. They're cruel. So if there's any other way to spell the word, it's fine with me, with me. It's a very British sentence right here. Or sentiment, I guess. Yes. Um, So my understanding is that English dramas, there's a couple different things there. I think you think of literature, I think mostly. And so much of English literature, especially like post-revolutionary war, um, you get a lot of like class literature, like takes on like differences between people's stations. And that could be a comment on that too. And just, you, you end up with a lot of folks that are poorly off, not doing so hot, you know, um, I think it, it could be a comment on that. Um, what did you see there? Yeah, I definitely thought like Pride and Prejudice, Prejudice Jane exactly. Austen type style novels. Um, and it's just kind of this, um elitist uh high class society type um setting that they're establishing and then goes along with the line so if there's any other way to spell the word it's fine with me with me and i think that's because um, american english versus british english so there's a couple color uh couple spelling differences um such as the word i was thinking when i miss said uh color you can spell it C-O-L-O-R or C-O-L-O-U-R as in the British version. So are we the only former colony that doesn't do that? Like do Canadians do color? Probably. I mean, okay, still, I don't know. They still technically follow the queen. So yeah, she's, couldn't be me. She's but. still their mom. <laughs> imagine, imagine still following the queen as a colony. This post wow. brought to you by Revolutionary Gang. Yeah. <laughs> no, they they still have the queen on their money, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they do. They're yeah. they're loonies. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry if we're alienating any of the British uh fanboys out there, but I mean yeah, no no no, to them. no countries without their faults, but some <laughs> never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um okay. Yeah, it's a great little first first. Let me get into the next one. Um why would you speak to me that way? Especially when I always said that I haven't got the words for you. All your diction dripping with disdain through the pain, I always tell the truth. So that line towards the end there, all your diction dripping with disdain. It's like an objectively good line, mm-hmm. but 
it feels to me very like AP English. Like it feels like the sort of thing mm. like some high school teacher would just like go crazy for. <laughs> it's almost like we're trying to show off even with like this kind of rebuke of people showing off, you know? You're just bashing my favorite lyric of the song, but okay. It's a great, it's my favorite <laughs> lyric too. I, well, I think it's great, but I think we'll there's a battle over it. I think it's doing a lot of work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really fancy and alliterative way of saying um, he you you talk down on me, mm-hmm. um, but but through the pain, I always tell the truth. Even he, no matter how uneducated he may sound, he's still telling the truth. That the grammar doesn't change whether it's truth or not, right? And I think that's kind of the point mm-hmm. of the whole song. It, whether you come from high society or lower class or whatever, um, you still are able to communicate whatever truths there are. Um, but who is the kind of an antagonist of the song? Because he's clearly talking to someone. Yeah, I um, it's almost it's weird because you might think it's a it's somebody with whom our main character is in a relationship. My first thought is that maybe it might not be. It might just be like a friend. I could almost see this a situation where we have like, you get to school first semester, you meet somebody who like you're friends with, but like they make a couple of comments where it's like they're talking down and they feel better than you. And you might have the courage to just say like, like, what is your deal, dude? Um, because we get late, later on um, after the next verse we get that line know your boyfriend unlike other guys it almost makes me think that our main character is not in a relationship or at least pursuing um the individual that's being talked to yeah i don't know that line was hard to read because it's adjust my tie know your boyfriend unlike other guys so is he saying do you know your boyfriend who is me i'm unlike other guys oh that's or, interesting. Or is he saying, I know your boyfriend. Un- he's unlike other guys. But why would he say that? If he could be saying, doing like a, like, hey, babe, I can treat you better kind of thing. But that's just like <laughs> weird. Um, but then in pre-chorus two, you have, again, adjust my tie. Know your butler, unlike other guys. And so I almost read that as... Um, they are dating in the first one he references himself as the boyfriend but in this one he's like okay if you're gonna act all high and mighty um then i might as well just be your butler and so he refers to himself as as the butler who's like here to serve the superior um but yeah i'm not sure i i I feel like there's multiple ways to read into that Mm mm-hmm it's almost, I mean, to me, it's almost more powerful if it's not someone you're in a relationship with. It's just like a friend. Like, yeah. the courage to call somebody out is just like, why are you treating me like this? Or why are you saying things like that? It's not It's not cool to do that, you know? True. Because if it is a friend, to know your butler, unlike other guys, makes more sense. Because it's just saying he's willing to talk to the butler and just socialize mm-hmm. with him, even though he's not. Sure. Like it also, could be, it could be directed at an entire class or group of people might not just be one person true this is true yeah um yeah verse two 
Who gives a F about an Oxford comma? I climbed to Dharamsala too. I did. I met the highest Lama. His accent sounded fine to me. So where is this? So Dharamsala, I think I'm saying that correctly, is northern India, like up in the mountains, like up there. Um, it's a city of about 50,000 people, like looks very charming. Um, it's where the Dalai Lama currently resides. And this is where we get a little bit of like woke imperialism, like vampire weekend here. Mm. I just learned about this today, but like, obviously like it's, it's kind of like this part of it's, it's you're in the Himalayas. Like it's this kind of contested part of the world. Tibet is on the border. It's not even a country. It's a region basically between China and India. Um, and of course, I mean, there's been a ton of tension there. Um, and my understanding is that in 1959, there was some sort of uprising um, of the Tibetan people against the Chinese government. Um, and in that time, the Dalai Lama fled to Dharamsala, where he still continues to reside. Um, did you see any more on that? No, I, I think okay. that's spot on. Okay. Um, yeah, I, um, yeah I, I didn't really know what the exact meaning of this verse was honestly i read it as just being an early remnant of early vampire weekend where they like these artsy uh mm-hmm. like kefaya um instead of coffee just mm-hmm. stuff like that where it's creating this artsy vibe um in terms of meaning in relation to the song um that last line is Really, all that seems to matter. His accent sounded fine to me. Um, he's just saying, like, I don't, I don't care if he has a Cockney accent or like a high British society accent. Like, it doesn't matter to to him. Mm-hmm. Um, what accent the Dalai Lama actually has, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know either. It's been the, this thing that was crazy to me though. It's been the same guy since the '30s. He's what? 85 years old. I did not realize that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's reincarnation. So, like, he's the Dalai Lama since the beginning, like, when he's born. Yes. Like, so. it, I, I, I didn't, I knew it was a reincarnation thing, but I didn't realize that, like, they decide, like, when you're a child. Yeah. So, I guess it's kind of the point, but yeah. So, the show, this is really getting on a tangent, but the show <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. um, the way they picked the avatar is based on the way they uh, identified the Dalai Lama. That's really cool. That's yeah. really, really cool. So they like show them hundreds and hundreds of toys. And if he picks the right one, then it's the reincarnation of the Dalai Lama. Okay. Like, same, same in avatar is how it was. Yeah. That's really neat. Cool. So <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Nico and Kevin, conversations in Buddhism. <laughs> there we go. Part one. There it is. <laughs> um, check your handbook. It's no trick. Check take the handbook. chapstick. What's that? Check your handbook. I thought it was take your handbook. I had it as check. That makes I'm, more I, sense. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if it really matters. I mean, yeah. the, what's going on here? It makes more sense okay so check your handbook it's no trick take the chapstick put it on your lips crack a smile adjust my tie know your boyfriend unlike other guys so someone on genius made the suggestion that the handbook could be the um elements of style 
which is a, my grandparents had this book. I'm pretty sure somebody gave it to me. It's this book with a gray cover and basically just has a ton of little grammatical, like how you should write tips. And there were some Ivy League school that I think tried to use it exclusively at one point. I want to say it was Cornell, um, but it would fit. Like the idea of somebody like being, receiving this book and being like, this is how you should act, at least like in your writing and in your reading and what you should look for and associating that with like a higher class, higher education, that sort of thing mm-hmm. fits here. So I think it, it's, it's a, it's, it's probably a good stab to think that's what the handbook is in this case. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. And then take the chapstick, put it on your lips, crack a smile. Um, great double meaning there with crack a smile. Cause if you're putting on chapstick, your lips are cracked. So cracked. Um, exactly. You both have a cracked smile, but you're also cracking a smile. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I read it as kind of putting on chapstick is just a weird thing to do in public. Um, just like awkward. Um, and I read it as something like, Oh, who cares if you do it, just go ahead and do it. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like chapstick at Notre Dame was not a socially unacceptable thing um, just because everyone's lips were chapped so often mm-hmm. that you would literally have to put on chapstick uh, three times a day, at least in my experience. Yeah, I, I mean, I never really have had any or observed absur- any like social faux pas from putting on chapstick. Unless you're like talking to somebody like actively, yeah. maybe, maybe even then, like it's like whatever, but this is a little foreign to me, but yeah. I, I, I could see it. So I, I, I like that read of it. Yeah. I mean, I think just in a normal place where it's not freezing and your lips aren't destroyed every day. Um, <laughs> a like, normal place. Like if, if I'm here in California and I pull out chapstick while hanging out with a friend, they'd probably be like, what are you doing? Um, the Bay Area is not a normal place. You know that, right? True. That's true. <laughs> Very true. Um, but as opposed to where everyone's <laughs> lips are destroyed, it's very understandable why you're putting on um, chapstick. Good point. What was, what was your chapstick of choice, Kevin? I'm a, I was always a Burt's Bees kind of guy. That's the good Long stuff. Choice. That was Carmex. Yeah, I feel like I feel like my mom would like always give me Carmex like my Christmas stocking, and it was never really my preference. Mm, I don't yeah, know. Everyone has a preference. I used to be chapstick, and then I tried Carmex one time, and it's so much better. Chapstick Chapstick's so bad. Chapstick kind of stinks, actually. It just doesn't work. Like no, if you're, if you're in really cold weather, it really doesn't work. Um, yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Glad we could talk about (laughs) Um, Yeah, go ahead. Message us uh, your chapstick of choice, viewers. Please, yes. Um, Adjust my tie. Know your boyfriend, unlike other guys. Butler. It's Butler this time around. Oh, we're already there. No, we're not there. We're still in Oh, wow. Okay. I'm I'm totally messed up. Sorry. (laughs) It's still still boyfriend. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we've already covered that a little. Um, but then you dive into course two where you do where it says why would you lie about how much coal you have why would you lie about something dumb like that why would you lie about anything at all first the window there's to the wall little john he always tells the truth 
a lot of people try to correct that first lyric to why would you lie about how much gold you have because it tends to be easier to fit with the song Mm -hmm. because it's talking about like lying about how much wealth you have but i feel like coal is pretty easy to insert and still makes sense because coal is what makes up diamonds um if you put enough pressure and heat you can make a diamond with from coal um and so with that coal is kind of a euphemism for wealth um there's also an interesting um comment someone made about there's one sample sentence for the oxford comma that is commonly used where it says i 50 pounds of gold comma so 50 pounds of silver and coal um oh wait no it's i 50 pounds of gold comma silver and coal um and so it could be interpreted as you have 50 pounds of gold, 50 pounds of silver, 50 pounds of coal, depending on if you have the Oxford comma or not. But if Mm. you don't, then it could be interpreted as you have a mixture of silver and coal of some varying amount, but you have 50 pounds of gold. It's interesting. Um, Okay. And so in that sense, you could be lying about how much coal you have um, by saying like, Oh, I've, 50 pounds of silver and coal and making it sound like you have 50 pounds of each when in reality you have 49 pounds of coal and one pound of silver silver. yeah which is like silver is the better one to have um and so in that sense this strangely enough this example for oxford commas demonstrates another example of lying about one's wealth interesting okay i like that that's fun um, and then of course, why would you lie about something dumb like that? I think it's just kind of a reiteration of the rest of the thing. Mm-hmm. Why would you lie about anything at all? Um, and then we, of course we have our, we have our favorite, favorite reference here. First the window, then it's to the wall. Little John, he always tells the truth. And I think at this point, if anyone who's a fan of the band knows that there's kind of been a bit of a relationship between Little John and the band, especially after this, I, I guess my question is, was there any reason why he was included in the first place specifically about Lil John telling the truth? Yeah. So this is the first link between the uh, VWU and the LJU, um, as I would say. (laughs) So, (laughs) so yeah, this is a great reference to the song get low by Lil John Mm -hmm. um, where he says, get low, get low, get low, get low to the window, to the wall, wall. to the sweat drops down my balls. So just very, very crass, very, (laughs) very very not, not going to be found at a high society dinner. Um, I I think that's a a safe assumption that if you go to a Jane Austen type uh, English dinner, you're not going to hear Get Low by Lil John played. Mm -hmm. Um, But even though it's crass, Lil John is telling the truth. It's true. I mean, <laughs> remember the last time you were at a college party? Window to the wall. I mean, it's it's hot in there. I mean, I, I, that's a really good point. It's kind of like what we were looking at earlier. Like, even if it's simpler, I'm going to tell you the truth. It's pretty simple what Lil John's getting at in his, in his hit, Get Low. Um, yeah, it's a great point. I like that. There's also the... Um thought that 
this is so first the window then it's to the wall is obviously a reference to the song but it also is a commentary on the first three lines about lying about one's place in society and when you lie in one about one's place in society those lies can really add up and get out of control where to, they're to the window and then to the wall they they expand into all the space they can um to where they're just really out of control interesting okay okay um but yeah little john goes on to play a big part in the vwu he um has a cameo in the giving up the gun music video uh, right. along yeah. with along with joe jonas and jake gyllenhaal um so yeah quite a music video excited to cover that when we get there um and then as we've covered on the show in stranger there's a line that alludes to little john um where he used to get low 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 but now he's too high to know. yeah too i think it's to now know. i'm too high to know yeah stranger came on shuffle for me the other day and it's like i totally remember that it totally clicks and i think that's probably the most likely read of that line yeah future us is telling past us that we were correct mm. so yeah i think i think we did it i think we did it good job guys uh, <sighs> um then, okay then you get a repeat uh kind of a little adjustment on the pre-course too with check your passport it's no trick so it's just saying check all the places you've been if you want to feel high and mighty um it's no trick Take the chapstick, put it on your lips, crack a smile, adjust my tie. Know your butler, unlike other guys. So yeah, it's establishing again this high society where it's common to have a butler um, at the house, but also might allude to him being willing to talk to the butler, unlike other guys. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. Yeah, Because I think you see that every now and then in like a movie or like a book or like some guy who's not necessarily out of place, but like someone who's invited to like a, like some big fancy party is going to relate to the folks who are working the gig, you know? Um, that's a, that's a, that's a cool read of it. It's always a cool image when you see stuff like that um, used in like movies and literature and stuff. And I, that's probably, that's probably a good read of it there. Yeah. And the final course, um, which has some of my favorite, um, I would say political commentary in the Vampire Weekend uh, catalog, where it's the normal chorus. Why would you lie about how much coal you have? Why would you lie about something dumb like that? Why would you lie about anything at all? First to the window, then it's to the wall. And then you have these two additional lines that were not seen before. And in the background, you have this music that's escalating and getting more exciting and leading to something and just like getting out of control. And like we said, the lies are leading out of control. They're expanding to the window, to the wall. They're going everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And so then you have, why would you tape my conversations? Which is a reference to Richard Nixon, um, who had his conversations taped about Watergate, which got him impeached. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so it's all these lies by Nixon uh, blew up in his face. And it's him asking why would you tape my conversations when in reality, he probably should have just not lied so much. <laughs> and, uh, then you get the second political reference, show your paintings at the United Nations, um, which interestingly is a reference, I think, to 
um, when Colin Powell, the, uh, I believe, Secretary of Defense during the Bush administration, went to the United States Nations to talk about possibly um, declaring war with Iraq, um, the administration supposedly covered the um, Guernica tapestry by Pablo Picasso, Picasso uh, which displays like the horrors of war. Um, supposedly they covered that up uh, in the hallways. And so, so he's saying to show your paintings, uh, show the truth. Um, but just some, 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 it's always nice that no matter what the topic, Vampire Weekend is able to include an Iraq war reference in there. I know. I, uh, I'm going to try and get a little woke with you for a second. I hope this doesn't <laughs> go too much of a tangent. But, I, and I just realized this we're thinking. Another target of this song could be the United States of America. Okay, go on. With the idea being, you're putting on this show of being the greatest country in the world. You got all the best stuff, the best people, you're doing all this stuff, and yet you're BSing us. You're 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 kind of to blame for things like, and obviously this is the point of view of the author. Um, we're not getting into the reasons of why you go to war with certain countries, but I mean, <laughs> sure? we could get this podcast to like two hours if we were talking <laughs> about the Iraq we're, war. We've been going on for like 45 <laughs> minutes now, geez. Um, obviously, in the, in, in the minds of the band, they're not big fans of the way that the country has conducted itself in the Middle East, a la we've seen what we've talked about with Holiday. Um, we see what we have here. You could make the case that this song is about the United States government talking down to its people, almost being like, we're this great place. We're doing all this awesome stuff because we're the United States of America. And that's it. When in reality, you're doing things that you as the person don't agree with. I'm pretty sure Ezra was a part of that group that marched to the UN to protest the Iraq war. Um, and I think he's talked about that previously. So I think these guys have been pretty clear about how they felt about Middle Eastern involvement. And this could kind of be their return to, to them basically saying, you've left us feeling dejected because of what you've done. And yet you're claiming to be this great force for good, all this stuff. I don't know. Just a thought. Wow. Just wow. a thought. I don't know. There's something there. Something there. The Oxford comma is an American invention. So yeah, wh why, yeah, why be woke against individual people when you could be woke against an entire country? <laughs> <laughs> And then finally, we end on the great line, Lil John, he always tells the truth. That might be the better lyric than uh, Dripping with Disdain. That might be. Um, yeah. Does Lil John have any commentary on the Iraq War? Um, <laughs> I think he's a fan of the bands because of this, but um, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing a quick Google search of Lil John Iraq War. Vampire Weekend, anti Iraq War. <laughs> Lil John has not said anything about Iraq War, possibly pro Iraq War. <laughs> um, yeah, there was a Chappelle show that had Lil John receive shocking news from Oprah and then another sketch separate from it that talked about the Iraq War. So there is a connection. There's, There's a, a threat very, here. very loose connection. <laughs> Chappelle making fun of both. Um, I might have found an actual connection. Uh, oh, great. So apparently Lil John's I Don't Give an F 
was an anthem used by soldiers during the Iraq war. Um, soldiers called it their getting crunked song and they would chant its refrain until they were ready to leave the base. Well, I'm pretty sure Lil John made a, a beverage called crunk juice or was mm. least involved with the production of a beverage yeah. called crunk juice. Yeah. But you're also just getting crunk. I mean, that's who doesn't want to get crunk. Yeah. Well, I mean, crunk was a musical style that Lil John was like heavy in. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Lil John being played by the troops. Um, is Vampire Weekend being played in Iraq? By the I troops? was gonna say, yeah. What's the what's the overlap? What's oh yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, what's the like song that could like most easily be taken out of context and like because they don't have any like pump up songs. A punk maybe. Diane Young maybe cousin cousins could be a pump up song. Okay, everyone, let us know which. Fellas, you're going. You're going to war. What's the VW track <laughs> you're throwing on the ox? What's the <laughs> What's the war track for VW to pump you up? Yikes! <laughs> okay, yeah, this has been a long episode, but we have one last thing to talk about. <laughs> okay, uh, the the music video. Oh uh, yeah, I totally forgot about it. It's directed. I didn't by, totally forget about it, but directed what's that? by Richard Iodi. Um, maybe saying his name wrong, but um, he, a lot of people may recognize him. He was in the IT crowd as an actor. He's kind of a comedian, but he also directs stuff. Um, yeah, he, the, the music video is very Wes Anderson-esque. Mm-hmm. And I think this our is... resident Wes Anderson film buff, um, I'll let you lead the way, Kevin. Yeah, you had a lot of because the, the whole thing's one shot, or at least appears to be. And Wes did that a number of times in a number of films. Um, and again, viewing this video is still one of your first experiences with the band. So to see that future of font, say chapter one at the beginning, you might immediately think Wes Anderson because it feels very Wes Anderson right off the bat. And you haven't grown accustomed to associating that with the band as much quite yet. So I think that vibe is very much there right from the get go. I um yeah I completely agree. Yeah, and you get this one uh cool one shot um take of the the song. So 19, 1917 obviously um ripped this off, right? Oh yes, absolutely. Yes. I uh, I still haven't seen nineteen seventeen. Oh, you're missing out. People said it was really good, but like it was like like my favorite movie heavy. of all time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Is that the heavy. one that doesn't have a ton it is of dialogue? Very heavy. Is um, or is that Dunkirk? I, I get those two. My head was the same movie. Dunkirk probably has less dialogue. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this one doesn't have a lot of dialogue either, but Dunkirk probably has less. Okay. Um. Yeah. What What's kind of the story going on during this music video? Yeah, it's tough to say. So we we see we see the gang get out of like some very like modest looking sedan, wearing they're all wearing like white suits, and then it pans to Ezra who's walking. Someone hands him his guitar. Um, there's kids running around in the background at this point, right? Um, there's the one guy that comes up and shoots the guy. There's just so much going on. I I don't want to like try and describe the video because. It's, it, it would do it an injustice uh, so to be completely like, honest i don't know what's going on <laughs> yeah i think that's pretty accurate 
The one thing I do want to point out is there's one shot of Rostam just holding a cow and looking straight into the camera. That's a great shot. And that just needs to be a t-shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just Rostam staring into the ca- camera with a cow in his hands. Also, how about Bayo has looked exactly the same for like 15 ba- Bayo years. Bayo not only has looked exactly the same, but still has the bass jam going. Um, I, he starts yeah. dancing with the bass at he, one point. He's a groovy guy, that's for yeah. sure. Um, and then you have the Ezra imitators at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, there's four four guys dressed like Ezra, kind of, and we're playing the same guitar and trying to trying to do the same style of playing as him. So there's there's a lot going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, very Wes Anderson esque, where just stuff is happening, but. Really and then the, I think, I think the, the image they used for the, the single cover was just the shot of all the actors like running after the car that Ezra gets in at the end. Yeah. He also is, at one point is like on a track that moves backwards. So he's just like standing, but at the same time, like moving with the camera. And then of course, um, as we remember that cool we used that we used the track almost exclusively in the Cousins music yeah. video. So we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cool stuff. Um, definitely one of my first memories of Vampire Weekend. Uh, one of their first hits after a punk. Um, great song. Lot, yeah, it's lot, a fun one. Lot there apparently. I did not expect to go fifty minutes on. Yeah, that. we were going for a while here. <laughs> um, if anyone's still here, thanks for listening. Um, appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay i'm i'm calling favorite lyric first um shoot you're tempting me with the little john now um i'm gonna stick with all the, your diction dripping with the stain and let you have the little john one yeah i'll take that i appreciate that that's <laughs> awfully kind of you i feel like both are very very good lines yes honorable mention being why would you tape my conversations? That's, yeah, I like that. Um, okay. The hat for this week. Wait, top five or do you want to do? Oh, yeah, top five. Okay. Uh, you, yeah, you go first. I'm going to go um, Spring Snow, um, Unbearably White, Unbelievers, Oxford Comma, Stranger. Um, I'm going to go This Life, Stranger, Unbelievers, Walcott. I, wow. I, I forgot about Walcott. We're feeling uh, an LP1 thing kind of today. Yeah. Um, and then Harmony Hall. Um, this is probably like six or seven, though. This is close. Yeah. Yeah. Oxford comments. Definitely. Um, then hat for this week. First repeat hat of the... Not because we've run out of hats, but because the special occasion happened today. Um, the great Loyola Chicago uh, Ramblers beats, yes! beat Illinois, the number one seat. Um, so go Ramblers. Sister, uh, Sister Jean is America's hero. Um, She's my hero. Yeah. Be, be prepared to talk to your kids about the Jesuits because they're coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the hat this week, uh, I don't have a explicitly loyal Chicago hat, but I have the 2018 uh, Final Four hat from San Antonio that mm-hmm. I used a couple weeks ago. 
But on the back, it has the four logos of the four schools, one of them being Loyola Chicago. There we go. So the song for next week is going to be Fingerback. Oh, great. That's a fun one. (laughs) That would be fun. I honestly thought we had covered the song already. (laughs) There's a good amount of modern vampires we have to do. There's still, I mean... We're still only like halfway through. Like, there's a lot of stuff we have to do. Still. There's a lot of stuff we have to do. <laughs> yes. right. Thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Take it easy.